Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to this week's Highway Community Podcast. Today, we are beginning a new teaching series entitled Unbounded, where we will be journeying through the very rich and very beautiful Old Testament story of Ruth. Ruth is a story that, at its core, powerfully shows us the way that God moves and meets us with his love through our relationships with one another to redeem us and to restore us in ways that we oftentimes would never imagine. And so over the next four weeks, as we journey through this story that features so many twists and turns, we're going to explore the ways that we see God's unbounded love in motion in relationships and the implications that all of that has for us as we walk with one another and with our neighbors as followers of Jesus. The story of Ruth begins this way in Ruth chapter 1, verse 1. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech. His wife's name was Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Mahlon and Kilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to Moab and lived there. Now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other Ruth. After they had lived there about ten years, both Malon and Kilion also died, and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. Those first five verses of Ruth serve as the prologue. They set up the story for us. And verse one very deliberately places the narrative in an historical context. The story of Ruth takes place, we are told, in the days when the judges ruled. The judges ruled in Israel after God's people had taken possession of the promised land and until the nation established a king. And it was a time when Israel was entrenched in this perpetual cycle where they would disobey God, which would then be followed by them being delivered into the hands of their enemies, which would then lead to repentance and then ultimately to release. And so that is the context for our story. It takes place during the times of the judges. And we learn in verse 1 that during this time, there's a famine in Israel that drives a man named Elimelech, his wife Naomi, and their two sons to move to Moab. Now, Moab's history with Israel was checkered, to say the least. In the book of Numbers, Uh, It was the Moabites who refused to allow the Israelites to pass through their land after they left Egypt. There's another story in Numbers about the Moabite women seducing the Israelite men, which resulted in punishment for Israel. And then Judges chapter 3 tells about how the Israelites were oppressed by Eglon, the king of Moab, which incidentally is a really wild story story if you're not familiar with it. 
And so Moab was a nation that was not particularly friendly with Israel, which reveals and, and underscores really both the risk and the desperation that drove Elimelech and Naomi to move to a land that was foreign and where they worshipped other gods. And so Elimelech and Naomi, as our story begins, they uproot their family, they move to Moab, and then we learn that over the course of the next 10 years, Naomi experiences this unthinkable wave of tragedies. First, her husband dies. And then both of her sons-in-law die as well. And so Naomi finds herself as an Israelite widow, uh, likely beyond childbearing years, living outside of the land of Israel, which is an extremely vulnerable place for a woman to be in the male-dominated world of the ancient Near East. And without an extended family to provide support, Naomi and her daughters-in-law would have had to resort to extraordinary measures to provide for themselves. And so, as her story begins, Naomi's situation is just unimaginably bleak. And then listen to what happens next in verse 6. When Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people, by providing food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. And so the famine ends. There's food again in Israel. And Naomi decides to return home. And her two daughters-in-law, Orpah and Ruth, who, like Naomi, are both widows themselves, they set out on the journey with her. But listen to what happens in verse 8 as they're on their way. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them goodbye, and they wept aloud and said to her, We will go back with you to your people. We definitely feel the extent there to which Naomi, Orpah, and Ruth are connected to one another from the emotions that are expressed in those verses. And not only are they family through marriage, but they have also walked together through love and through loss at the deepest levels. But now, despite all of that, Naomi encourages Orpah and Ruth to go back to Moab with a blessing. And that blessing is that God would show them the same kindness that they had shown to her and her sons, and that God would grant each of them rest in the home of another husband. Now, the word that's translated as kindness in verse 8 is the Hebrew word hesed. Hesed is a term 
that is firmly rooted in God's nature. In over two-thirds of its occurrences in the scriptures, God is the one demonstrating hesed. And hesed is one of those ancient Hebrew words with a meaning that can't be fully captured with just one English word. Hesed combines the idea of faithfulness, kindness, goodness, mercy, love, and compassion. Right? It's, it's all of those things rolled into one. And something else that's important to note about Hesed is that in addition to being this combination of all of these various facets of love, it's also something that is fundamentally an action. Hesed refers to an act that is performed for the benefit of someone who is in real and desperate need. And so here in Ruth chapter 1, we see that Naomi's desire is for her daughters-in-law to experience that same kindness and goodness and mercy and love and compassion from God that they have shown to her. But Naomi knows that, that all of them are in desperate need, and she wants nothing but the best for Orpah and Ruth. She says to them in Ruth chapter 1, verse 11, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. And even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to two sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has turned against me. And I'm really struck by how realistic and pragmatic Naomi is here in the midst of the really difficult circumstances in which she finds herself. And her argument for Orpah and Ruth to return home is pretty compelling. As she's too old to have any more sons. And even if she were to conceive somehow, Orpah and Ruth wouldn't be able to wait for those sons to grow up. They would be too old themselves at that point. But then, beyond even all of that, Naomi's maybe most poignant argument is that God's hand has turned against her. I just look at the disasters, right? And the implication is that, that anyone who associates with her can expect the same. And so from Naomi's perspective, it's better for her daughters-in-law. It's better for Orpah and Ruth to return to Moab. Verse 14 says, At this they wept aloud again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Ruth clung to her. Now, I have to say, I've always found the image of Ruth clinging to Naomi to be tremendously moving. But the circumstances of the last few weeks 
compounded by the circumstances of the last year have made it even more powerful for me in a very personal way. Now, some of you may be aware that for the past four and a half weeks, I've been in Modesto with my brother, who was in the hospital with a series of very serious health events uh, that defy belief in much the same way as the series of tragedies that, that Naomi experiences at the beginning of our story this morning. And one of the many things that, that I am grateful for uh, is that I was able to be present with my brother through all of this, which has tragically not been the case for so many others over the course of this past year because of the pandemic. You know, visiting someone in the hospital is, is something that has just returned to being a reality over the past few months. And in Modesto, at this present moment, it's still extremely limited. In fact, it's limited to one designated person, uh, which for my brother was me. And so I resonate a lot right now uh, with being alone in a foreign land, uh, which Modesto definitely was for me. I resonate a lot with being alone in a foreign land in the midst of a situation that, that many, many times felt bleak and hopeless. But what's even more deeply resonant for me is, is the way that Ruth really puts love in motion here in this story. Because some of the most absolutely indelible moments for me over the last few weeks have been the moments when people have clung to me. And while I have experienced the grace of people clinging to me in a number of different ways, there has been nothing that's paralleled the physical clinging. I mean, I don't even have words to articulate what it felt like the two times that my wife Lynn came to visit and when things were really critical and there were massive decisions to be made and clung to me. Or when my other brother arrived from Indianapolis two weeks into things and clung to me. Or when one of the nurses who cared for my brother for consecutive days in one of the three different critical care units we'd found ourselves in gave me a hug as we transferred rooms out of her unit and into a regular room. Or when I was able to return home for a couple of days, uh, the week before last, and friends and coworkers clung to me. And it really made me realize how, how starved I had been for that, uh, not just because of my situation, because, but also because of COVID. Now, we have been contactless for so long. Right? And that contact is, is so important because when someone physically clings to you, you know in that moment that you're not alone. Right? When someone physically clings to you, you know you're not alone. And that is what is so beautiful about what Ruth does here.
And as Ruth is doing that, that as she is clinging to Naomi physically, Naomi actually encourages her to go with Orpha and return to her people. But listen to Ruth's response in verse 16. Ruth replied, Don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if death ever separates you and me. You know, those verses are probably the most familiar and most often quoted verses from this entire story. And they're so well known and so often quoted because Ruth's response is so, so extraordinary. And she sets aside everything. She sets aside her home. She sets aside her people. She sets aside her gods. She sets aside all of what little hope that she has. And she does it with the promise of nothing in return. And in doing that, Ruth really puts into motion that others-oriented love that the Apostle Paul describes when he calls the Philippians, based on the example of Jesus, to do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but instead to value others better than yourselves. But Ruth is definitely not focused on what she's receiving here. Instead, she is focused on what she's giving. And through that, Ruth importantly and powerfully shows us that clinging is not just a physical act. Clinging is not just a physical act. We also cling to others through selfless sacrifice. We cling to others through selfless sacrifice. And as the first chapter of the story of Ruth comes to a close, we actually witness that sacrifice. After Naomi accepts Ruth's decision, they continue their journey to Bethlehem. And when they arrive, we read in Ruth chapter 1, verse 19, that the whole town was stirred by Naomi's return. People knew her, and they knew about her. And listen to the way that Naomi responds. Ruth chapter 1, verse 20. Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. And so Naomi, understandably, arrives in Bethlehem totally absorbed in her pain and bitter affliction. And she's so absorbed in that that she doesn't even acknowledge Ruth's presence. 
after Ruth has abandoned everything to be with her. And the reality is that Naomi hasn't returned empty. She has Ruth with her, which is a huge grace. But Naomi isn't able to see that. And it's like Ruth is invisible at this juncture. And we're left to only imagine what that must have felt like for Ruth to experience that. But it didn't make her waver. It didn't deter her in any way from continuing to cling to Naomi. The incredible love that that Ruth so tangibly demonstrates to Naomi here is a great picture, ultimately, of God's love for us. Hesed, remember, is a word that is fundamentally rooted in God's nature. And one of the dimensions of Hesed that we noted earlier is faithfulness. Hesed is faithful love. It's loyal love. It's a love that is unfailing. And we see that unfailing love on display all throughout the story of Scripture. Time and time again, we see that God never abandons his people. Instead, he pursues us relentlessly. His love for us is continual. It's unchanging. It is fierce. God's love is unfailing. Romans chapter 8, verses 38 and 39 say that there is nothing that can separate us from God's love. And Ruth reminds us in this very beautiful and tangible way of what it looks like to show that unfailing love of God to others in relationships. We do it very simply by clinging. We do it by clinging to others in the same way that God clings to us. By being present. By being with others. And by staying with others. That is how we put God's unfailing love into motion. The unfailing love of God clings. As you think about people who God has surrounded you with, your family, your friends, your co-workers, your classmates, your neighbors, who is God inviting you to cling to this morning. Who is God inviting you to show his unfailing love to? Who is he inviting you to cling to? Would you pray with me? Father, we are thankful this morning for this beautiful story and for the beautiful expression of your unfailing love that we see in Ruth's clinging to Naomi.
the faithfulness, the loyalty, the unwavering commitment, the selflessness, the sacrifice. All of those aspects of the way in which you have loved us, we see Ruth. We see those in Ruth embodied in her clinging. And Father, that is a profound picture of your love in motion in relationships. Lord, may you give us the eyes to see the people around us who you would have us cling to, who you would have us bless with that sense of presence that enables someone to know in the most powerful way that in the midst of whatever it is that they're facing, that they are not alone. And Lord, would you give us the willingness not only to cling physically, but also to cling sacrificially as well. Lord, that we might look beyond our own interests to value others in the way that you so wonderfully and beautifully have valued us. May we be your agents and your instruments, agents and instruments of your love in the lives of others. Would you show us the ways that we can put your love into motion and the ways that we can cling in Jesus' name. Amen.